All right, let's get into this. I've been trying for three weeks to preach this message, and I haven't gotten there yet. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to attempt again to get a little further. Amen. Go, to, go with me in your Bibles to the book of, where am I at? Matthew chapter 11. We're going to start at verse 28. Matthew chapter 11. We're going to start at verse 28. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, Juan will have the uh, King James on the board or on the screen. Uh, Verse 28 says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Verse 29 says, "Take, uh, Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, say easy, Easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. What you fear, now if this is all I teach you today, then I've done my job, okay? What you fear, you have no authority over. Whatever it is that keeps showing up in your life, and you're afraid to address it, you're afraid to deal with it, or you're afraid it's going to come back on you, or, oh, I can't believe I keep falling here. If you're unwilling to stand boldly, number one, and admit this is something you deal with, and give it to him, then it will always have more authority over you than the Spirit of God in that area. A lot of times we, we tend to think that, oh, just give it to Jesus. We just, oh, you know, I went to the when I got saved and I gave everything to Jesus well that sounds good but I've been giving stuff to Jesus now almost 30 years it's a daily walk it's a daily renewal of the mind it's a daily transformation you're not ever going to be perfect and I know we tend to think that we've got certain areas of our life knocked and figured out but the truth is is we need a savior We needed Jesus because it was Jesus. Listen, his burden is easy. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. The reason that matters is because the natural life by default is hard. When Adam fell, and we talked about that a couple weeks ago, when Adam fell and took us into a broken, fallen creation, we had to eke out an existence with our hands, with our effort, with our thought life, with everything. We had, to, we had to carry pressure of how to live and breathe and exist. When Jesus came and we accepted the blood on the cross of Jesus, and we accepted the blood of Jesus on the cross, and we applied that to our life, that doesn't change our surroundings. However, it does change us. And we learn to operate on a higher level of thinking. There is a book, we were, we, were, we were in the car, let me tell you something, there's nothing more interesting than being in a car ride with your wife to Tupelo and having Zion Bailey and Jordan Bailey in the car with you. And you have some interesting conversations with those two. And somehow we got on the subject of how to think. Uh, many, as many of you know, uh, our, our, we're, we're, our bakery will be opening soon for our, our family and uh, somehow we got on the subject of business and I, I mentioned some things that our business partner partner had taught me years ago, and and they said, "Oh, Dad, how did how did you learn to think like that?" I'm still learning. Uh, so I, I got I, I was reminded of a book, and many of you have heard this book, and it's called Rich Dad Poor Dad. 
And the premise of this book, it was turned into an infomercial, but I don't want to lose you in that. The book itself from the beginning was a very good book because it was Robert Kiyosaki had his dad that was raised him and his best friend's dad where he spent most of his time as a child in Hawaii was very wealthy. And he would watch how the two different men thought. Both good men. Loved them both with all of his heart. Never dishonored his own father for, for not having money. None of that. But just watched how they thought. Sometimes when you hit a level where you understand business, you think different from someone else. Now, I want to tell you all this. Now, I, I, don't, I'm, I try not to get too political in the pulpit, but you all need to understand something about where we're at in our current nation. Do you all realize that if you really do a deep dive on Moses, they didn't like him either? Matter of fact, they hated him. Your deliverer, your greatest deliverer in your life outside of Jesus is not always the most likable person. They're the person that makes you think outside of a way you thought before. And what you've got to understand is the word is designed, although sometimes it's not easy and it's not, it's not enjoyable. So, hey, listen, let me tell you something. You want to learn how to go to sleep? Read your Bible. Crank your Bible out at 830 at night. You're gone. But if you learn how to read it with the mindset of Holy Spirit, teach me something, something changes. Because now you're going into a place where you're not mentally ascending to something. Your spirit's becoming alert. Is it, are y'all okay with this so far? Because what I want you all to see is this. When, this. when this scripture says this, go back to verse 29 for me. Well, and we're going to read in the King James. Take my yoke upon you, which means I don't have time to go through what a yoke is, and learn of me. Say learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Now, we always go into the burden is easy, yoke is light. But, but pay attention here. One, we pr get prepared to put this up in the Amplified. Take my yoke upon you, it's King James. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Now, put it up in the Amplified. One, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, following me as my disciple. For I, listen, I am gentle and humble. How many Christians in our life do you bump into and go, man, that's, that's a gentle, a humble, they show me Jesus. Yeah, the Bible says in Ephesians 4 and 20 that you have not learned Christ. A lot of us have accepted Jesus, but we've not learned how Christ works. Christ is, Christ is what he left. Y'all have to understand Christ was not his last name. Christ not God Christ. Christ is what he left. It's what he came to release. It's what he came to bring. It's what he came to show you. It's what he, Jesus didn't come to walk head and shoulders. He came to get into the muck with you and show you how to get out of it. Have anybody seen the series The Chosen? Has anybody watched that? That is an amazing, let me tell you something. I will pick Bible stuff apart like crazy. Because most, most Christian movies are cheesy. But let me tell you something. That, that was Holy Ghost inspired because that series has done more to promote the humanity of Jesus than I've ever seen. Now, the point is this, and if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's on YouTube. It's free. But when you see Jesus as human, you understand that he came to show you how to walk as a human in authority. See, we get caught up in the sticks. Well, he was Jesus. Yes, he was, but he was just like you. Well, what made him so special? Well, if he was just like me, what made him different? He listened. He prayed. He sought. He had an absolute desire to only do what his father did. 
And we're out there bouncing around wondering, uh, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to do this? And it, listen, I, I, I'm not knocking that. People, people question things all day long. It's good to have a healthy question with God, not with people. You better stop asking people and you better start asking God. Because most of our troubles in our life have been spent asking people what they think versus asking him what he wants us to do. Because he will ask you to do things that don't line up to your mindset. They don't line up to how you think. However, let's go back to how we think. We're being pulled into a higher level of thinking. Because he's called you to a place to be like him. He, we, 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 try to, we try to make life too hard. Now, let, let me finish the scriptures. Be my disciples, for I am gentle, and I am humble, and, I'll, and you will find rest, renewal, blessed, quiet. Blessed, quiet. You got kids? <laughs> blessed, quiet. I don't, we don't even know what it's like for it to be quiet in our house. It gets quiet in our house. It gets weird. Like, April! <laughs> You, uh, yesterday, uh, while I was watching my team get absolutely destroyed, um, <laughs> she, she came down here. And I'm sitting there watching football, and in between my, you know, imaginary brick throwing at the screen. <laughs> I, I, at one point, I just muted it. And it was just, whew, like, where's everybody? And it, I, it scared me. I, and finally, I heard Gabriel, was it you? I think it was you come down the stairs. I said, where's your mother? Because it's, not, it's unusual for my house to be empty unless we're all gone somewhere. And, and so I'm, I'm sitting there, and yeah, it was unusual for it to be quiet. But let me explain something to you. The reason this is called renewal and blessed quiet for your souls is because your mind, your will, and your emotions never slow down in this generation. And the word is trying to tell you, you've got to take on my burden. You've got to take on my yoke, the yoke of Jesus, the burden of Jesus. Jesus carried it all, which means you get to say, he died with it, it died with him, I'm free from it. If you understand that your issue or whatever it is you're dealing with went to the cross with Christ. <sighs> Jesus didn't go to the cross for you. He went as you. You don't have to keep fighting some of this same stuff. All you got to do is accept that there's a higher way to live. There's a higher way to think. We have to stop doing uh, spiritual calisthenics and thinking if we just do this and pray this and say this and give this and sow this and have this and be there for that. And if I show up for this, all is going to be well. No, no, no. It's acceptance of what he did. Acceptance that the cross was enough. Well, by, I believe in Jesus. The cross was enough. Remind yourself of that at 2 o'clock in the morning when you're whining about things not going your way. Because the truth is, we have to understand that Jesus gave us authority. And what you have fear of, you have no authority over. And if he gave you authority over it, why are you afraid of it? Amen. People say all the time, I'm just going to tell you about me. I hate snakes. Hate them. Hate them. If you don't have shoulders, you shouldn't live. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to me, you just came from a different assembly line. I don't fear them, but I don't like them. Now, the point is, do some of them have good, uh, uh, good elements and, and you want them around your house for rats and stuff like that? They, they say that. I don't believe that. <laughs> but, but they you can get a cat. 
So I think cats are evil too. What are you talking about? <laughs> you just get dogs. You just get dogs. One of them gets bit and dies, get another one. There's a pound. Go get another one. <laughs> I'm way off my message. I got to get back. I got to get back. <laughs> but I don't believe, I don't believe that they, just because I don't like snakes and, and I personally don't believe I have a, I, I'm afraid of them, just because I'm not afraid of them doesn't mean I'm going to go up and grab one and we're going to handle them next Sunday. All right. let's, be, let's be real clear on what we believe fear is and is not. Just because I don't feel like I'm afraid of something. Now I have a healthy respect for a copperhead, but it can be a respected over there. And, it can, and just far enough for a hoe to reach. Because I don't want to get machete length. I want to get hoe length. You know, garden hoe. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I know some of y'all. I, I can already hear. So, so. That doesn't mean that I want to put myself in a situation where I'm in danger. This is what people do. Listen to me now. People will say, oh, I'm not afraid of that. I'm delivered from that. I'm free from that. I'm free from that drug addiction. I'm going up in that crack house, and I'm going to minister to somebody 20 minutes later. See, we have no understanding of getting quiet and understanding that we have no fear because of him, not because of us. When you live your life focused on knowing that Jesus Christ is the voice you should be listening to, when you get into prayer, when you got to get past praying about all your stuff. And then when you move over into a place that you're past praying about your stuff, all of a sudden you start praying for people you didn't even think you liked. And you may not like them, but they sure need Jesus too. And then all of a sudden you start wanting to hear what God has to say about them and what God has to say about you. Jesus made the most profound statement when he said, I only do what I see my father do. He sees it through love. He sees it through faith. He sees it. Go to verse 30 in the Amplified real quick, please. For my yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light. Now, this yoke we're talking about here, it's not an egg yoke. We're not in an agricultural society anymore, so people don't understand what we're talking about. But a yoke is that thing that you see horses and bulls and ox in, that the wood, it's basically, it's just, it's a stock. And it pulls the plow that tears up the ground, that is destroying people. If you tried to get out there and plow something without these animals, you would never, number one, you'd never eat. Number two, you'd never, you'd never be able to have any success in your life. You'd never be able to sell anything. You wouldn't be able to go to the market. It, it, basically, you had a burden of making sure the yoke was pulled to live. Now, when Jesus says, my yoke is easy. He's telling you, yes, please listen to what I'm about to say because we're going to take a real quick deep dive and then I'm going to try to wrap this up early today. He's saying, yes, you are my servant. Yes, I bought you with a price. That means you have to admit in yourself you belong to him and stop having this pocket Jesus that you can use every third Sunday when you decide to go to church. You belong to him. Now, let me explain this word. The, the, the word is translated bond servant. 
When you read your Bible, you'll see the word servant, you'll see the word slave, and then you'll see the word bondservant. You hear me teach on sonship a lot. Sonship, to me, is, is my initial anointing. However, when you get into the Old Testament, you can translate sonship into bondservant. This is what that means. I'm, I'm, I'm going to teach you something real fast, and then we'll see what the Lord wants to do with it. A bondservant is this. Let's say Gabriel, his family, for whatever reason, couldn't pay bills or, or couldn't feed him when he was a child or whatever it was. And they give Gabriel into our family, which he already is, praise the Lord. But they give him into my family to serve to pay off a debt. Okay? After X amount of years where that debt is paid, Gabriel now has a choice that he can go home or... He can stay. Now, if he's in a home that has treated him so well that going back home is worse than staying as a servant in this house, he says, I want to stay as a part of the family. They take him and they put his ear on the doorpost of the home. They pierce that ear and put a ring through it. That's where the earring comes from. Now, 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 oh. I, got, I can go a whole nother level on all the piercings, but we're not going to do it because I don't think that sends you to hell. But here's the thing. When you put that ring in your ear, you're signifying this is my family. I am in bondage to serve by choice, which is exactly what the blood of Jesus did for you marked you to the point that you can choose to say I am in bondage why are you going to that meeting tonight because I'm in bondage to the one that saved me he can't just run off with my wealth and act a fool he understands the system don't be grinning you ain't getting no money today He understands the system. He understands how the family works. He understands how the agriculture works. He understands the yoke and the burden. Listen to me. We are really good at preaching the blessing. We're not good at preaching the service. Because we're afraid people won't stay if you want them to serve. And I'm just going to get real tough here for just a second. You see that? Not to watch the ring. You know what that is? That's a wedding band. Most of us in here understand what that means. Most of us are married. This ring signifies that we are connected in covenant. This ring signifies that we are one. Okay? Church today has no idea what that means. And we want, I'm fixing to get, it's going to get real. If you get mad at me, talk to me later. We live in a society where you can find 20 churches before you get here. Because nobody listens to God on where they're supposed to go and release their portion. They just find what works for them. And the truth is, is God has called you to a point to hear Him. And people, listen to me, people are entertained in church. And they go where they're entertained. And they go where their ego is stroked. And they go where they hear, the Bible calls it tingling symbols. They, they, they hear things that they want to hear. And I'm not old school enough to be preaching hellfire and brimstone, but I do preach truth. And let me explain something to you. The, when we are in a day where people are chasing what they want from church versus what they need from church. 
And they're, listen, let me explain something to you. They are committing spiritual adultery by taking the benefit of intimacy with no commitment. And I'm tired of burying greatness because nobody will tell the truth. You need to know who you are in Christ. You need to get in him and hear his voice and you need to connect. The Bible says very clearly that you are connected to the true vine. That's the only way you live. And God put a system together for people to be, well, I just don't, I just don't, I don't like to be told what to do. I don't, I don't, but if you think that's what service is, you're wrong. April, t- April does the most amazing job in the team meeting we've ever done or, or I've, I've ever seen done. Because every Sunday she talks about their heart. They can all tell you what she's going to talk about. She's going to talk about their heart, and you get to, you don't have to. I get to preach to you. Some of y'all, I get to go home. Praise the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) I walk in here in the mornings, and when 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 I get to get here early enough to pray with the Becoming Center, man, I get to walk around here, and that is my main prayer. God, I get to hear you today. Do y'all understand you get to hear him today? It's not about hearing me. We just said, this is, this is the system. God has a church system. He set it up this way. Shepherds and sheep and flow. That's how he set it up. But you get to hear him without my influence other than my teaching of the word. You don't have to go to a priest and confess. You, you, you don't have to, you don't, listen, you don't have to deal with things in the way the world deals with it. You get to hear him. And if he says to you, I'm going to do X, Y, Z in your life, nobody else gets to tell you any different. Do you understand how powerful your spiritual ears are? But you got to clean them out. you got to stop listening to the people around you, to Facebook and, and, and all the things in the government situation and all of this different stuff. And you got to stop listening to the hatred. I have never seen more Christians show more hate than I have in this election season. I have seen ministers of the gospel hoping for President Trump's death. What is wrong with this world? Well, Pastor, why are you doing all this this morning? Because you need to know how powerful you are and what he needs from you. That if he could change the world with Jesus and 12 people, he could change Walker County with 50 people. Well, we don't have the lights. And we, we got you, we got him, we got the Holy Ghost. Because it's not about numbers, it's about people. And when we understand that ministry is about touching the heart, not filling up a book of roles, and who's here and who's not. You see, I'm, I'm grateful for one thing in this church. I'm grateful, and I'm grateful for a lot. But the one thing that I've, I've gotten to personally is that I stopped a couple years ago, and I can admit my sin, because I was stressed over bills and stressed over this and stressed over that. I stopped counting nickels, and I stopped counting noses, which means, well, funny with nose, huh? Because I stopped worrying about how much money came in and how many people came in, and I started preaching to who came in. I've sat here on a Wednesday night and preached to nobody but my kids, and they all heard it before, and they're going to keep hearing it, because my messages don't change much. But the truth is this, it's really not about supply, please, please hear me. It's not about supply of people and supply of money. It's about supply of the right burden. See, when you're burdened for somebody, you know, you ever, you ever have that moment? You ever have that moment where you know you just got to call somebody? You realize that scripture, right? 
You ever, you ever have that moment where, where you know, something happens and you man, I, I knew the Lord was telling me to call them. Or, or something, my favorite was people would say, well, something was telling me. That is the burden. And, and you, you choose whether you answer that or whether you don't. We got to understand what the burden really is. The burden is you being the minister. Are y'all hearing me? The ministers in this church are not just me and those that stand up here. The ministers in this church is not just me and April and, and, and Trevor and the people we have through and the guys that teach class and, and all the different things. And Juan's got a YouTube channel with Word Snacks and all these different things. That we aren't the ministers. You're the ministers. And we're in a sick society that needs the healing that's on the inside of you. God needs to bring healing to, to a heart of an area and a region and it grows from there. But we got to get it in you first. Now I'm going to say this and I'm going to try to, try to wrap this up. Because I still got six more pages and I ain't got off of it yet. I know some of y'all aren't close enough. Some of y'all on the front row are. Uh, my, my nose is healing, but it is ugly. And I am a prime example that healing is beautiful, but ugly. I'm so grateful to have the things that I had going on over with. But to get to the final, see, you want to fast forward to the final. Everybody wants, everybody wants to be whole. Everybody wants to, see, everybody wants to see the miraculous. Throw the crutches. Everybody wants, woo-wee. Healing sometimes is ugly. Everybody says, oh, pastor, we need revival. Oh, preacher, we need revival. Are you ready for revival? Revival isn't pretty lights and loud music. Revival is demons screaming out of people in an altar. People don't know what they're talking about. Revival is clear. You ready for that? That's what revival is. Revival is getting your hind end kicked back in gear. That's what revival is. We, we use these pretty little words like we want church, but we don't want church. We need to be church. You have something on the inside of you that will change the lives of people. You have something on the inside of you that God wants you to use at work and in God in heaven and Walmart. God needs you to use stuff where you are. You, all you have is one job, and that's hear what he's saying and do it. Habakkuk says this, and we're not going to turn there, but Habakkuk says, I stand on the tower and watch to see what he's saying. Think about that. I watch to see what he's saying. Well, most people, let me tell you something. I grew up in an age where people are like, that don't even make sense. They just play on words. Mm-hmm, yeah. You open up your Facebook status, you're watching to wait and see what someone's saying. <laughs> yeah, I thought I couldn't do it, huh? <laughs> Take some notes, Trevor, you'll learn. When you open up the Bible... You're watching to see what he's saying. And we're designed to hear things in our spirit, not our head. We let our head get in the way, but when we really, you ever have that moment? You, and I know all of you have, you might not have recognized it at that moment, but we all have had that moment where all of a sudden we just knew we were supposed to do something. No matter what it is, it might be big, might be small, might be, might be physical, might be financial, might be prayer. Might, might, let me just tell you something. It might be whatever it is. But it's what you know, that, and, and then all of it, and this burden will not go away until you do it. Anybody had that? We've all had that. That is the ministry of the gospel. 
Y'all, I want to make this very, very, very simple. And then we're going to close this message because this is not one of them shouting happy days. This is one of them pastor days, okay? You have got to understand that your checking off your spiritual time clock because I went to church, those days have got to come to an end for the believers in Christ in the last days. God has called us to change a world. And you can change the world on your knees in your den with this. I'll never forget, I'll never forget when I first got saved. I won't let, I'm just going to tell you this. I wanted to be an evangelist. That's what I thought I was called to do. I'm, I'm, I'm going to use this to, to paint a picture for you. Because I had traveled playing music for so long, in my mind, that's what I do. I travel. So I'm an evangelist, praise the Lord. But see, when I played music, this was our mentality. Our mentality was we're going to go to the next, you know, Howard Johnson Inn. I don't know if y'all know about a Hojo now, but that's where we stayed. We stayed at the Hojo. And we'd go into a new town and we'd play it at whatever club we were playing at. We'd destroy the hotel room. We'd just destroy it. And they had the manager just pay for it. And no consequences. So when I got into ministry, I, I thought, I'm called to be an evangelist. And see, let me explain to you how this stuff works and how the enemy will use your old mentality to affect your new mentality. I thought I was called to be an evangelist and I'll just go into a church and mess it up with my revelation and let the pastor fix it. <laughs> then all of a sudden wisdom came in and I realized just how out of order that was. But it took somebody that I connected to as a pastor to teach me. And we've got an entire generation of preachers that don't know their Bible and they're not connected to anyone. So I'm saying to you as a pastor, be cautious of what you let in your spirit. Amen. Be careful what you let in. Always hear the word, not people. And I would say that about me. Don't just take what I say. Go home and study that. If you find not, hey, listen, if you find I'm preaching something wrong, somebody better come tell me. Because I don't want to deal with I don't want to deal with sin. I don't want to deal with hell. I don't want to, I don't want to hurt people. But when I realized what I was called to do, I'll never forget, and I, I've never shared this really publicly. I don't even think I've shared it with you, Sherry, privately. I, I was wrestling with God calling me to be a pastor. I want to be an evangelist, you know, because it fit my nature. And to be quite honest with you, traveling ministry is a whole lot easier than pastoring. Because, I, I mean, uh, you look at a different crowd every night. You don't have to deal with their problems, their issues. You know, they don't call you. They're mad, not mad about what you preached. You know, I mean, you just move on. But I was traveling with Chris Owensby, and I went to a church on the lake. And I walked in there, and, and that's the first night that I met Pilar and Sherry. And I'll never forget, Sherry said, that's the night she saw me. She said, God spoke to her heart, and she said, that's a pastor. And she told me that story. It was just a few weeks later she told me that story. And that was the moment that... I'm like, I might as well just submit to it. And within a few weeks, I became the youth pastor there. And, and the long story short, just began to move into, you know, some of y'all probably going, my God, you need to learn a little bit more. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> but the truth is, although I love you all, and my job is to teach the word, Jesus is the real shepherd. And if I'm not pointing you back to him, I'm not doing something right. 
And our eyes have to be on him. Our prayer has to be toward him. Our focus has to be on how he carried himself. We have to see the humanity and the deity. We have to understand that Jesus has called us to a place where we move like he moves. I don't believe. No, listen, I, I believe that children flocked around Jesus. I believe that. I believe everywhere he went there was kids everywhere. But I also believe that religious people hated his guts. Because he was in their face, not physically, but just you got to love people. I can't give you anything if you don't know I love you first. I think we've gotten to the point that churches have got, and I'm not knocking big churches. Y'all got to understand, I'm looking forward to the day we have two or three services on Sunday morning. But, but there comes a point where if the pastor is so disconnected from the people, are you really connected? A, pa- a shepherd is not designed to not shepherd sheep. I don't know, it got real quiet, Trevor. Maybe I just lost everybody right then. I don't know. Oral Roberts, and some of you may not even know who that is, but one of the most, one of the most highly decorated and documented healing ministries uh, it, it, since Jesus. Uh, my spiritual dad, Matt Gober, Oral Roberts was his spiritual dad. And Mac went to see Oral before he passed away. And Matt called me on the way back from, uh, at that time it was California. He called me on the way back and he was just sobbing. And he said, Alan, I want to tell you something. And he said, now, now Oral has said this publicly, but he said it again to me privately. And he gave me instructions to tell all of the young pastors connected to me this one thing. And I'm excited. I'm thinking, Revelation. Man, plane's coming. You know, so, you know, you think, you think, you think. He told Matt to give everybody 10 grand, you know. <laughs> That's just how we're stupid. We think that way. And he's sobbing. And if you, you, if you didn't know Mac, you don't understand how easily he would cry. And he was just crying. And he said, he said, Oral told me to remind the preachers that in this day and age where we even don't even preach anymore, we just have video screens, that his hands touched millions of people. And all he talked about was Jesus. Jesus. Why do you think so many people were healed? Because he always pointed you back to Jesus. Not to small groups, and I'm not knocking small groups. Not to the coffee shop in the foyer, and I wish we had one, praise the Lord. But to Jesus. So I just want to take a minute. They sang the perfect song. That was the perfect song, the last song. Let's just take a minute and just worship Jesus. Just stand to your feet with me.